the culture of um, podcast. My goodness, that sounds so good. <laughs> Nairobi Book Club, the podcast. Welcome to Nairobi Book Club, the podcast. The The world of imagination is awesome. Welcome to Nairobi Book Love, the podcast. My name is Kwe Kabala, and today's episode is actually pretty special because I get to kick it with a really good friend of mine from homie from long time, like we like to say. Mm. And we are recording this in the rooms where dreams are made of. Wow, I like the sound of that. <laughs> And the room where dreams are made of is actually G's living room, <laughs> uh, which is where so many great ideas have been born. So many fantastic conversations have been had. This is where we watched um, Brazil win the World Cup in 2010. Oh, wow. Oh, it's true. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. This is where we have sat with all when our children are crawling. This is where we've had... Jamaican rice and peas and and uh, what what do you call that thing that's like the dough and the, the coconut dumplings yes, dumplings dumplings and mac and cheese. Um, this is a room where so many people gather and there's always a, you know love and energy and friendship and that's why we call it the rooms where dreams are made of. And this is where everyone records their podcast or something. <laughs> I have no idea why that might be. It just <laughs> might be to do with the the equipment, but that's a good thing. Yes, it might be the fact that this is a super swank setup. Mm. But it could also because G has a big heart and he's always willing to help everyone out. So. And, and food. And food. Mm. And food because I just ate. Right. I literally. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nairobi Book Club. Thank you very much. Um, it's the, probably the most intelligent podcast I've ever been on because we're going to talk about books. Yes, we're going to talk about books. Mm. And um, the reason I really wanted to have you, every, when I thought about having the podcast, because Nairobi Book Club started as... I've never even told you this. Mm. I started the page on Instagram. There's a Twitter account as well, but I, it's like I've forgotten it. And I started it because I wanted to be accountable to myself right. about reading more right. and reading more diversely. Okay. Because I felt like there's a, a couple, like two, three years where I still read, but it wasn't as intensely as I used to. Right. And I said, listen, you have to find a way to keep up. So I started the page as a way to keep myself accountable and also to just meet like-minded people. Which I have, Bookstagram. The Bookstagram world is fantastic. So Really? Is that, is that a big movement? Yes. Wow. Listen, people make money. Wow. Hey, it's, it's serious. <laughs> Michelle Obama has a podcast now. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And I bet you anything, it's gonna, a majority of the content is going to be about books. Yeah, exclusive to Spotify. Because oh, becoming is the gift that keeps on giving. Mm, and that's how you make money. And that's how you make money. Mm. So, uh, when I was thinking about the podcast, and I was like, okay, fine, let's, let's do this bookish podcast. Right. What kind of content do you want to see? And I thought, oh yeah, I want to talk about my favorite books and I want to have like bookish conversations mm. and that sort of thing. And one of the first people I thought I need to have on is definitely G. Which which surprised me because I my my relationship with books, um, I, I used to be an avid reader yes. when I was growing up. Like books were everything. Yes. But somewhere along the line, I think life happened and you know, you just get busy and I, I don't read nowhere near as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, life does happen. Yeah. Um, but um, for those who may not know, Jimani and I used to work together uh-huh. at Homeboys Radio. Wow. We were the first season. The first? I like, we were the first season. We were the first original but, season. Wait. I'm and still, the best one. But I'm still there. It's okay, because you're part of the first, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> and we started working together in 2007, which was an unfortunate year to start any kind of business. Yeah. <laughs> let, alone a ra- let alone a radio station. Post-election violence in Kenya. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it was a moment. It was such a moment. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we were, we were very young. Mm-hmm. Well, you was. Well, yeah, yeah. You were younger. Younger, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we were like so fresh. We had auditioned. I was in my first year of uni. And I was like, well, I'm going to be a star. Mm. And then here comes. And then we're told, oh, but the breakfast center has already been chosen. We're like, yeah. So he's from the BBC. He's from London. Right. Like, oh. I, I hear right. I hear that you guys are actually disappointed that I wasn't white. <laughs> we weren't disappointed. It's just the image that was in our heads. It's like you guys get somebody from England, somebody from the BBC, somebody from the Queen's country. Yeah, like, you bring a black person. And then we were told his name is Conrad. We're like, okay, <laughs> okay, he's called Conrad Gray. Doesn't get more British than that. Then we meet a guy who's like Jamaican, baseball cap. Baseball cap, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm friends with JC," and I'm. Uh, oh, I didn't. Like, oh. I didn't say that. Oh, you didn't say that, but he had all these drops on radio. It was like, "Stop the press!" This is JC getting ready to kick real ish with G Money. What? <laughs> those days we didn't even have a drop from Red Sun. <laughs> <laughs> but those drops are authentic. I must say, I don't, I don't play them anymore. To be Why? I don't know. It's just like it's just like I think after a while. Um, I think when I first came, yeah, the statement was made. Yes, you know what I mean. It was like Nas, Jay Z, Fifty Cent, uh, whoever, 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 and every kind of dancehall artist there is in the history of dancehall. In the yeah. history of dancehall, I mean, we were even shocked he didn't have a drop from Bob Marley. <laughs> but listen, it was just yeah, because that, that was G Money, and in the beginning we're like, we hate you. Mm. You look yeah. like you've lived your life and it's been fancy. We hate you. That's it. <laughs> uh, but then we started working together. Mm. And I used to do the entertainment news on The Breakfast Show. Right. Which was... So that means we used to sit across from each other at right. least three times a day. Yes. Every day. Yeah. And um, I must say, the, the, the craziest thing about it is that in those days... You guys were so good. Like, as in... No, so good. As in, like, literally so good. Yeah. Um, like, I think that... I've been blessed in my radio career that I, in, in three different sections I've dropped amongst some incredible talent. Because, mm. like, if somebody was starting a radio station now mm. and had all you guys again, mm-hmm. that station would fly. Ah, oh, man. Because when you listen to some of the talent that's on air now, yeah. anyway, we're not here to talk about radio. <laughs> hey, we're going to. But that's the context. And that's why I'm surprised that I'm speaking to you about books. Yes. But, I, but I'm still enjoying it. So this super long preamble mm. is just to introduce the fact that a G, the show that's still ongoing till today, G Money mm. in the Morning, used to have a feature known as the Moment of Meditation. Mm. And this used to air some minutes to 8 o'clock, about maybe 10 minutes to 8 o'clock. Right. And the Moment of Meditation is just a, a, just a piece of the day, especially in the morning, where you, you take some time out and uh, you read, you read uh, some inspirational mm. text. Mm-hmm. And, you know, play a nice inspirational song. Right. I'm not going to say gospel. I'm going to say inspiration. Inspiration. Because it cuts yeah. across. Definitely. And the book that he used to read from was called, it was Act of Faith by right. Ian Lavansan. Yes. Um, Daily Meditations for People of Color. Daily Meditations for People of Color. Yeah. Well, they they got me by that title. Yes. <laughs> and G-Money was like, I'm going to Africa. Yes. I Everyone to... is of color. Yes. People of color. <laughs> now... Do you know what's crazy about that um, that feature and that book? Yes. I actually learned about that book 
from another radio presenter in the UK. Really? So let me let me, let me say this. There used to be a feature on a radio station in London called Choice FM. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was called Moment of Meditation. It might have been. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, the breakfast presenter there was Angie Greaves. Mm-hmm. And uh, she used to just go on about this book called Acts of Faith. So not as religiously like every day. I don't think it was every day. But she'd read a snippet from the book. And... Um, I bought it on the back of her, mm. always talking about this book, The Moment of Meditation, um, Acts of Faith. And this would have been in the 90s when the book was new. Yeah, because the book came out in 1993. Right. Yes. So this would have been when the book was new. Wow. Because Choice FM were at that point were the only black radio station in the UK that was legal. So <laughs> yeah, everyone else was pirate. Everyone else was pirate. So they were the only black music radio station that was legal. So so she had the breakfast show, Angie Greaves, legendary um, broadcaster in the UK. Give her full props. Mm. And um, that's where the inspiration for Moment of Meditation came from. Wow, yes. I, I did not know that all yes. these years later. Yes, yeah, so I mean, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, it was all me. Angie Greaves, wherever you are, you inspired Kenya. Because the funny thing about that, to show the power of the book. Yes. Over all these years, I, I think about five, six years ago, or maybe a bit more, I decided to drop the feature. Yes. I was like... I'm tired of doing it. I've been through three copies of that book. Because mm. as you remember back in the Someone day... Someone stole a copy from the, the studio. The book used to stay in the studio. Yes. Once the book got stolen, yes. and then the other one, remember how it fell apart? Yes, it was being read so much. It being read so much, the pages were falling out. And then when it finally went on to Kindle, mm. I got a digital digital copy. Yes. So the thing about it is, is that like, like that book has inspired some... And I tried to drop the feature on the show. I was like, you know, I'm tired of doing this. I've read this book one million times the the reaction and the, the backlash on air and I began to realize that whenever I met somebody on the street the only thing mm. they remembered about my show the moment was the moment of meditation they were like nobody ever said I love the hip hop you play I love the reggae you play reggae oh you guys said this funny thing yeah. nobody ever said that they were like yo that moment of meditation so then I realized how powerful the words from that book actually are mm. what I liked about it is they weren't godly it wasn't like oh ye come first open the bible we're gonna solve all problems it was just realistic things some days they would talk about sex saying that you shouldn't go out there and sleep with everybody yes some days they talk about, you know, learning how to say no. Some days they talk about um, the, the power of family. Sometimes they t- talk about patience. So it was never really preachy. And that's what I loved about um, the, um, the book Acts of Faith by Yana Van Zandt. And that kind of made me go and discover other books by her. Mm. And the funny thing is, mm-hmm. I discover other books by her and I haven't enjoyed the majority of them. No, no lie. Yeah. Because they're a bit preachy, preachy. Yes. But that particular one, Acts of Faith, nah, it's, it's beautiful. That was fantastic. Mm. And this is the problem when you interview a radio presenter. Now I'm like, he's answered all the questions I was going to ask. I'm like, you know, what made you pick up the book? Um, you know, <laughs> what was it that kept you going? And now, now, okay, fine. It'll be the shortest podcast ever. Grand opening, <laughs> grand closing. <laughs> grand opening and closing. Mm. But that's, that's the reason I wanted to have you on because I needed to know. People don't understand that it's the book that actually impacted them. Yes. Because you listened to it, but you found a way to bring the book alive. Right. Because when you're speaking the words and someone is hearing them, they've not picked up the book, but they might as well have. Right. If someone had listened to your show religiously every day, 
they've probably read that book several times. Right. And it just to me it was such a beautiful way to impact and bring words to life right. that we don't really see much of. And I think also um it also enabled me as a presenter to marry two sides of my personality because mm-hmm. for example there is the part that wants to uplift and wants to 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 offer hope because in this day and age the reality is most of us only have hope because we've seen dark days in our lifetimes you know so it gave me the opportunity to offer hope but yeah. then also at the end of every um, page we read or every reading it gave me a chance to unpack mm. what was being said and i can kid you not i, I tell you the power of that book there are so many days when i read the moment of meditation mm. and i needed to hear it mm. like you know there are some days when i read this and i was like the hell mm. this is meant for me today and i always thought if it could impact me so much if the words from that book could impact me so much what is it, what is it doing for people who are just driving in their car and listening and are so used to that to that feature i've all, i've often said and i say it on your podcast the day the owners of that station say to me uh, we want to drop this feature mm. will be the day that i say you know what it's been it's a wrap <laughs> It's cool. I'm out. They have been put on notice. <laughs> no, for real though. Yeah, I, I get it, but it's 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 mm, every show. Let's say you're a radio fan. Every show that you engage in and listen to, this there'll still be the one feature. Yes. That you carry with you, and you're like, you know what? This is my diehard. Mm. And even if you retired for a little bit, eventually it comes back. Every, every one of us has at least at least one. Of one those. thing, yeah, yeah. But for this one, it's not just about you; it's about the audience as well, mm. isn't it? It's it's about the the reach and the impact. So maybe what I'd ask you is, what kind of what was your favorite? One of your favorite readings from the book? I think, oh my goodness! Um, I think for me, there are so many um, readings that that have impacted me. But one that I'll never forget is there was a whole week where they dedicated to um, saying people come into your life for a reason, a season. Or a, or a lifetime and I remember I just lost my grandmother at mm. the time and for those of you who, who know know that I'm, I'm a granny's boy 110% mm. and shortly after she passed away and I'd gone to Jamaica and I'd come back um, this reading came up people come into your life for a reason a season or a lifetime when you figure out which it is you will know exactly what to do mm. and then what happened was um Throughout the course of that week, and I'll, I'll probably read a bit of it because I've got the book in front of me. Um, throughout the course of the week, they broke down about how to react when people come into your life. So, for example, wouldn't it be wonderful if our first love could be our one and only love forever and ever? Amen. Well, surely you know by now that life is not like that. Mm. People come into your life for a reason. People come and go in your life. And throughout the course of that week, the title of each reading was A Reason, A Season, or A Lifetime. Mm. So, for example, I give you the first line of um, a reason. When someone is in your life for a reason, it's usually it's usually to meet a need you have expressed outwardly or inwardly. They have come to assist you for a difficult period to provide you with guidance and support, and then, in the middle of helping you, mm-hmm. they bounce. Mm. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they just disappear. Sometimes you have a silly argument and it's gone. But their purpose in your life has been fulfilled mm. so I read that like yeah people do come into your life for a reason then the next day it was like people come into your, right, your life for a season mm-hmm. when people come into your life for a season it's because your turn has come to share grow or learn and they may bring an experience of peace 
or make you laugh or teach something that you've never done. And that made me think, hold a minute. People come into your life sometimes for a season because it's your turn to teach them something. Mm. It's your time to show them. And then when the time comes for them to disappear and your seasonal friendship or relationship is done, it ends at the divinely appointed time. Mm. And we can't hold on to these things because they're in your life for a reason or a season. season. And then it said, you know, lifetime relationships, when people come into your life for a lifetime. Yes. When a parent, a child or a spouse is involved, the wounds are very deep. At the end of a lifetime relationship, you may feel you'd be better off dead. And that's exactly how I felt at the time. Mm. The pain seemed to grow. The memories linger. A part of your life is dying. You relieve every painful moment in an attempt to understand. Again, that's exactly what I was going through. Then it said, your job is not to understand. Your job is to accept. Lifetime relationships teach you lifetime lessons. Those things you must build upon in order to have a solid emotional foundation and just like that it made sense Mm. my relationship with my grandmother had brought me so far Mm. and she'd given me all the tools I needed to build a solid emotional foundation it went on to say that you know those lessons are uh, difficult to learn they're the most painful to accept yet these are the things that we need in order to grow when you're facing a separation of the end of a lifetime relationship the key is to find the lesson Love the person anyway. Move on and put what you've learned to use in all other relationships. And the great thing about the moment of meditation and, and this book is that every single chapter ends with an affirmation. Mm-hmm. And the affirmation for this um, season was a new life begins when a part of life ends. And that was it. For me, that was the affirmation. That was what I needed. A new life begins when a part of life ends. Interesting. Yeah. So, so if you took, if you ask me what is what has been the most impactful part, that was it for me because it it answered so many questions that I had at that time. Wow. That that is a. I've never read this book. I am not a. I am not an inspirational self help kind. Of, I I don't know how to read but those. But the thing, the, the thing that, and that's what I think the genius of this book is. Yes. The genius of this book is I. I can't read inspirational books. Yes. Like when you, you know, if you tell me to go and read the habits, the seven habits of highly successful people, once you've read one of those books, Mm. you've read all of them. Dedication. You've got to be better than competition. You've got to give you all things that we innately know anyway. Yes. But the beauty of this book, and this is the first time I ever came across a book like this, Mm -hmm. was that this book said, I don't expect you to read me in one sitting mm. I'm giving you just enough for today yep I'll give you another chunk tomorrow yes so it 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 it, it, it didn't feel like a, a self-help book it felt like a guide yes so you see like if you were in Nairobi and you you, you have your job and you need to go to a meeting in Dunholm phase 8 <laughs> okay. if it exists or yes. phase 5 right uh huh you might not know where that is. Yes. But what would you do? You'd put it into Google Maps. And now... Um, and you'd be navigated right there. Yes. This book is like Google Maps. Mm. It's like a Google Maps version of, of, of a spiritual book or a self-help book. Other self-help books fail to me mm-hmm. 
because they expect you to consume them voraciously like oh I'm going to read this in one week and my life's going to change yeah this book is incremental so it's just like something you'll read today and, and by the way I don't agree with everything in this book mm-hmm. there are some days when they tell you you know when somebody has wronged you get out of your feelings and I'm like huh <laughs> yeah, I want to be in my feelings for a little bit. I want to be in my feelings for a little bit. So I don't agree with everything. Yes. But the vast majority, it's non-scripted, it's non-religious, it's just the Google Maps to, to give you a guide. For your soul. Mm. Yeah, that, that's actually pretty beautiful. Um, so that's what I'm saying. I never read this book, but having listened to you read mm. from it. You've read so it. So many yet. I've, re- I've read the book and it, there's a way the message comes across when mm. you're listening to it. And this is someone who does not read audiobooks, by the way. Mm. Or listen to audiobooks. You don't? I, I, I don't. I prefer to just have a book in my hand and actually just read it like this. But yeah, it was... So for me, this was... Um, it's, it, was um, it was an interesting kind of experience. Right, right. So she calls this um, for colored people. Specifically, this is Act of Faith. Right. Um, a guide for colored people so but when you listen to the book there's really nothing Mm. (laughs) honestly this is a book for everyone it's a book for everyone there are a few chapters where what what, where she talks about people of color yes um on a few occasions and what i like about it as well is there are times when she um which is very un-american by the way there are times he makes reference to um West African religion, East mm. African religion, you know, Yoruba, you know, Ashanti, whatever, um, um, various historical um, African tribes mm. and their teachings as well. So I think it was a real um, attempt to reach out. Um, and to be honest, like you've been to America, man, we American black people need something that is for them, need something that's been written for them. And True. like you said, because it's for people of color, yeah, it doesn't mean that people who are not of the color cannot read cannot read it yes and maybe you'll begin to appreciate the spirituality that we have and why our spirituality is different mm. you know because you know if you think about religion and if you think about how white people go to church and how black people go to church it's very different yes so you know even you know, how Africans go to church yeah you know like man if, if you're if you're listening to this and you're a white person you've never been to a black church come put it on Welcome. your on your on your put it on your <laughs> things to do if you if you've been used to that whole anglican and i guess very proper proper catholic vibe yes. come to one of our pentecostal churches <laughs> where we make it rain and people speak in tongues oh man <laughs> <laughs> but i haven't been in church for so long oh wow because of covid obviously of course obviously. It's, it's covid it's covid <laughs> it's Mm. Um, but it's uh, yeah, yeah. There, I, I, I get what you mean. That <laughs> for colored people, there yeah, we tend to be more musical and mm. more, you know, uh, not, yeah. not devout. What's the word? Just uh, more, more alive, more passionate, and more expressive. You know, like, like, white people go to church. Yes, we go to church. church. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, it's I, I, I get when you say that. Because I, when I was reading the, or listening to the book, uh, in my head, this is a this is a book that even the the, the parts where she says as a black person, mm-hmm. honestly, even if you replace that with as a as white an person. Asian person or as a whatever kind of person, the message it's inspirational. So the message still mm. gets home. But I get you when you say <laughs> black people sometimes just need something. We need something, yeah. and 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 it's okay. And it's all right. It's okay. And it's okay. Um, it, which is interesting because Ian Lavansan, the first time I heard of her, 
uh, is when Oprah used to have her on yes. as a regular like Until they fell out. spiritual guru and then they had this massive falling out and then they had this massive reconciliation. Yes, oh yes, man, yes, good TV, yes. good TV. Great TV at the time, I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. And she's and now she does this whole show called Fix My Life. Yes, which I don't like. I don't like it either because mm. I've watched a couple of episodes and I roll my eyes and they always take extreme scenarios yeah. and, and trying to put them. But, but what you have to understand, you know, is that in America, it's a very thin line between entertainment and real life <laughs> at every single moment. And, 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 you know, I speak often about my brother. I never realized that the entertainment industry was as mad as it is until he got involved in mm. it, you know? Yes. And um, one thing I can always say is that when it comes to television, it's all about the ratings. So um, if that show was called... Um, let me help you. Nobody would care. Absolutely. But fix my life is so dramatic. And to me, Yanla. I watched it once or twice, but yeah. I said to myself, you know what? Yanla does for me in acts of, if she never writes another book or she never writes another um, uh, uh, t- text that impacts me the way that acts of faith has, it's cool. And then it's okay. I'm going to allow her to fix people's life. Yep. I won't choose to watch it. Mm-hmm. In the same way, it's like Pablo Coelho. Yes. I can't, am I allowed to digress? Pablo Coelho, absolutely. Yeah, Pablo, so Pablo Coelho, yes. right? If he never writes another alchemist. Oh, man. I'm cool. Um, we're going to have a talk. We're, we're going to discuss this. You're the one. You and a friend of mine called Kevin uh-huh. are like, oh, my God, alchemist changed my life. And I'm like, bring it. I need to read this book. I oh, did, it did nothing for you. It, I was so bored. <laughs> I was like, this is the book people like. I like just, what? And Listen, you see, and this is coming from someone I actually like. You right. know what I mean? Because if it was someone else, I'd be like, no wonder. Paolo Qu- <laughs> the Alchemist changed my life. How? I'm going to tell the you. The book it. is so weird and boring. It is. Listen, the beauty of The Alchemist mm. is the fact that the lessons that you learn in that book are little one-liners throughout the course of the book. So if you look at the story, mm-hmm. the, the, the essence of that story is... Sometimes the thing that you're looking for in life Mm -hmm. is right under your nose. But you have to go through the process before you can recognize it. So that whole let's go on a journey, climb a mountain, blah, blah. So, 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 so it's exactly that. So if if you think about it, it's like, let me give you an an, an analogy. And this many men will relate to this. You will meet a woman Mm -hmm. who is the one Mm. and you'll screw it up. You'll mess it up. If, and if you're lucky, You'll do the right thing. Mm. But 80% of men mess it up. <laughs> no, let's be real. And then you go through a whole string of stress, struggle, heartbreak, bad relationships. And then you get to a point in your life where you sit back and you look and you say to myself, Jesus Christ, imagine I had everything that I wanted here. But at the time, you didn't know that's what you wanted. Because mm. your level of experience had not given you that range. Like, I'll give you another story. There's a, there's a part in the, the Alchemist where he tells a story about um, a boy who's going to see the king. Yes. And the king's busy. Yes. And he's, um, he said, listen, um, I'm giving you these two drops of oil in a teaspoon. Take these to go and see the king, mm-hmm. right? So the kid puts the, the, the teaspoon, the oil in the teaspoon, and he's so conscientious of not spilling a drop of oil. Mm. That by the time he gets to the king, the king says, all right, cool, I'm busy at the moment, but um, have you seen the, the Persian rugs in this room? Have you seen? But the kid has been so intent on not spilling anything 
Life has passed. You've not seen. He's not seen anything in the in the in the in the palace. Mm. He goes back. The king says, "Go and look at all of the the amazing Persian tapestry and stuff." By the time he comes back to the king, he spilled everything in the spoon because mm. he's been so blown away by everything that's around him. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's an anal- that's an analogy of life, as in. As much as you can go through life and be so single-minded into getting this one, and that was me at that point in my life, just wanted to get this radio thing done to be that, that you're not seeing the beauty of life outside of your passion. And then sometimes you have to understand that because you're looking at the things outside of your passion, you're going to drop some of the stuff on the spoon. Absolutely. But it's okay. And life now becomes balancing those two things. So... If you're reading The Alchemist for some mind shifting, this was crazy. It's not. The power of The Alchemist is its simplicity. And there are different things and different parts of the book that will relate to different areas of your life. It's like a parable. You, you, you can yawn now. It's sigh. okay. You can yawn and you can sigh. Uh, there's another episode in this season called Book Confessions. Mm. And it's basically about all the confessions that uh, we make based on the things that other, you know, bookish people, yeah. readers will be like, oh, you've never, like, for example, I've never read a Toni Morrison book. Okay, I have. Yeah. Or, and I hated The Alchemist. Mm. And I thought... Um, have you read any Terry Macmillan? Yes, how Stella got her groove. <laughs> you need now. You need to read Mama. Oh yeah, yeah. Mama is amazing. Okay, okay. yeah. I, I had a whole season of Terry Morrison. <laughs> nice disappearing acts. Yeah, Mama. Yes, I didn't read the how Stella got her groove back. <laughs> Again, like I said, the whole point of starting this, this everything, this page, this podcast is to step out of my comfort zone. Right. I already read The Alchemist and I was like, bye-bye. Yeah, okay. And actually, because it was the first Paolo Coelho I ever read, you never I never picked up another one. But I have a book on my shelf that you I bought for know, me yes. eight years ago called Aleph. Yes. You bought that book for me. And the reason I bought it is because you like Paolo Coelho and I was like... But even in the same context of coming back to um, Yana Van Zandt, yeah. I love Acts of Faith. I didn't like value, valley, yes. value in the valley. Yes. Paulo Coelho, I love the alchemist. Um, I liked the warrior of light. Mm-hmm. Then when Veronica decides to die, the Valkyries, the this, the this, I'm like, ah, whatever. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like when this yes. guy, when yes. um, the Da Vinci Code came out. Yes. It was Dan, Dan Brown, I think it was. Dan who, Brown. Who wrote that. Mm. Da Vinci Code was everything. But then Angels and Demons are like. I didn't mind Angels and Demons. Yeah. It's, um, what's the other one? Inferno is the one that I just... I, I, I tapped out at Angels and Demons. <laughs> Angels and Demons. Yeah. But anyway, back to Rihanna. Mm. Um, what I can say is that I, I may not like the whole fix your life phase mm. or, and the, all these other... I've never read any of the books but right. in terms of the show, but uh, just because of my experience with mm. Act of Faith, again, by listening, mm. um, I do have a lot of respect for her. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I loved what you said. The book is incremental. Mm. So every time you re- you keep on gaining as you read, you don't mm. have to ab- absorb everything. It's a what did we say? It's like a Google Maps for right. your soul. I think that's a great way to express it. It's a Google Maps for your soul. Yes. Yeah. So well, now I'm gonna be done with Yama, and we're gonna go to another segment of the show because I mm. think we only have 45 minutes. And how many minutes has it been? It's been over half an hour already. Like 30, <laughs> 30, 30, good, 30 plus minutes. As a radio presenter, I should keep better track of my time. 
So, mm. um, I we have a segment called Nairobi is reading. Right. And it's basically, hey Nairobian, what are you reading? What are you reading? Okay. Simple as that. So, what are you reading right now? Okay, I'm, I must confess, over the last um, few months, I've listened to a lot of books. Um, I've read only, I've read one physical book. Okay. But I've listened to um, two books mm-hmm. in the last month. Um, one is called Natives by Akala. Okay. And it really explains the black British um, experience, the experience of somebody who's second generation black, like myself in the UK, born to Caribbean parents and how institutional racism has affected our lives and police brutality and all of those things and, you know, the the position of the black person in the UK. Okay. Akala is a friend of mine from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew him as a rapper. Okay. So for him to morph into this intellectual, I mean, he's now Dr. Akala, you know? Well. He's written books. He's, he's you know, whenever he has speaking engagement and he's so lucid and so clear, mm. his brain is amazing. Um, so uh, Akala um, Natives is, is, a, is a good read, a good listen. So is it like one name like Madonna, Akala? He's actually, um, it's, it's actually, he's this, the brother of Miss Dynamite. Oh, Dynamite. Yes. Oh, it's, it's, okay. it's the brother of... So that's how I know, knew, knew the both of them. Yeah. Um, that's one thing, and it's really insightful. Actually, three books. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, you're going to laugh at this one. Okay. Um, let, me do, let me do another serious one before I go to the funny one. <laughs> There's a book, um, I never remember her name. Can I just go and get it? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So just, just keep talking while I run and get the book. Okay. So now uh, I have to fill in the dead air. As... You're already a presenter. Oh. <laughs> money. Goes to look at the other book that he's talking about. Um, yes. And you found it. So I didn't even have to say anything. I didn't have to say nothing. So. This is cute. So this is the. Oh, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. I've seen yes. this so much. Renny Odolodge. That's the one. I can never remember her name. Now, let me tell you about this book. Mm-hmm. This book is... People talk about shifting your perspective. Yes. Now, this is... And I've been reading this before, the whole... Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Mm. So, that's one of... Uh, the only physical book I've read recently, yes. right? Yes. Let me tell you what's amazing about this book. Mm-hmm. This book delves into how so many white people can't understand racism yes and it's based upon the fact that for them life is normal so for a white person in Europe or the US they expect to be born grow up go to college mom and dad to be there Mm. get into a job have a structured life get promoted promoted never be stopped by the cops on the road never be it's it's just just the way they live yes so when you tell them about all these problems that you're having as a black person, they cannot relate. And I think part of the frustration of us, especially some of us who were born in Europe, born in America, was the fact we couldn't understand that. When we talk to white people, how come they just don't get it? Mm. They just don't, they just don't understand. Like I'm saying to you, do you know how it feels to, to be stopped by the police because you're driving a nice car? Of course they don't know how it feels. They've never had to go through that. It's never happened. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes. So that really is such a... It really made me understand the conversation about race a lot more. Because it's like... I'm literally not going to have this argument with people. Try to convince them. It's like, it's like me trying to convince you that Santa Claus exists. Yes. I can't relate because I know he doesn't exist. This is like you saying to a white person, but institution, institutionalized racism, you know? 
do you know um why more black people are dying from covid is because there's a lack of access to healthcare because black people earn more less money mm-hmm. because they've got more this and a white person's like oh okay wow i didn't think of that why would you think about that because you've never had the experience True. So that's an. I'll actually lend you that. It's an amazing read. I when the whole Black Lives Matter movement started, mm. like, um, and we saw so many uh, books on race, yes. especially written by Black people, uh-huh. shoot up the list. Yes, some of them are topping the charts, whereas they've never even charted right. ever. Right. And this was one of the books I kept right. seeing, and I was like, okay, mm. and but, maybe, and maybe, maybe to some extent. I fall into that category. Right. You, you get what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Because we I'm, all do. I'm an African, born in Africa, uh-huh. living and working in Africa. So what is the big deal? So I, I completely understand that it's a big deal because, yeah. again, my father and my brother live in, in the, the United States. Exactly. So from the experience, I can get something. But purely from my point of view, I can empathize, mm. but until you walk a mile in someone's shoes... You can't relate. You can't relate. So yeah. I, I get the whole Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? It just... As a fellow black person, I can yeah. understand because we have the same color of skin. Right, right, right. And I, 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 I understand at some level, but as someone who's grown up, right, never experiencing right. racism, right, right, and and that's why you remember when I first came and people would use the n word, yes, and I'd be so I'd be so offended don't, and I'd be like, say that. do not ever to the point where I've given up now because it's like people that generation has passed. Yes. But until you've been called that in anger yes. by somebody who's not the same color as you. Mm. You know, I I spoke to a friend um, who was interviewing for a job at a very big company in the States yeah. um, this week. And um, he flew past every um, interview stage and it just got to the point where he was denied the job pretty much because the final white woman who was interviewing him who was a bit younger than him was threatened by what he would bring to the table and I don't want to he, he says that he's the kind of person who and he I can read you his text he said that you know the only reason why I didn't get this $400,000 a, a year job is because there was a white lady in the room who was threatened by what I'd bring to the table do you think if it was a black woman in the room, do you think that would have still been the case? Well, the thing about it is, A, we never know, for yes, one, yes. because the, finding black people at high up the corporate ladder is, is difficult. difficult everywhere. So, True. But then you see, that, that, that that's when these books begin to have their context, because, you know, it's like when you think about um, black people earning less money in the US and stuff, America's healthcare system, you pay for it. Mm. And when my brother fell ill with COVID um, a couple of weeks ago, thank God that he's recovering. Yeah. One of his texts was like, suppose I couldn't afford $2,000 to go into this private hospital and get treated. Yes. Fam, that's 200,000 Kenyan shillings. That's a lot of money. How many people have that just sitting there to go and get treatment? Very few. So then you begin to see the levels of institutionalized racism. And then something that's really also came out was that when you think about it, and KRS once spoke about this in one of his songs back in the day, overseer, 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 officer. How was the police form force created in America? It was as a reaction to keep law and order yes. after slavery. Wow. So then we begin to think about the layers of institutionalized racism in the police force, in the UK and in um, America. Yeah. So books like this begin to expose the thinking behind that and why it's okay to understand that white people might not get it. Um, the third book I'm reading, mm. which I must say is also an amazing book, is Hustle Harder mm-hmm. by 50, 50 Cent. 50 Cent. I was going to be like, wait, 50 Cent? 50 Cent. Let me tell what? you about that book. Really? 
50 Cent Hustle Harder. I'll give it its full title. It's called Hustle. It's called Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, I learned so much about 50 Cent in that book. He doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke. So it gives you this whole image of being this gangster rapper. He doesn't do any of that. Well, he did get shot nine times. But he did get shot nine times. Yes. But, you know. So there must have been something he was doing he to was piss doing someone wrong. Right. off. But what he expresses in that book, yeah. a certain key, it's like a self, it's like a hood self-help book. <laughs> and one of the chapters, I think it's chapter three, that really resonated with me yeah. was where he said, you know, in life, there's going to be people who come along after you or around the same time as you or whatever. And those people are going to get further than you and are going to have less talent than you and they're going to um they're going to blow up yeah pretty much they're going to blow up so crazily and you're going to wonder how comes these people have grown up uh, blown up and I haven't and the reason is you we have a tendency not to shout about our accomplishments mm-hmm. we have a tendency to under it's i don't know where it comes from but we have a tendency to underplay all of our talent and ability well in africa it's just called modesty and manners that's that's why you're like you know. Otherwise, you're you're looked at as being boastful, right? Yes. But you know what happens is, mm-hmm. let me tell you exactly what happens is, right? Somebody will come from outside who doesn't have one drop of the talent that you have, have, but they'll get to a much higher position than you because they'll come and they'll shout and they say, "I can do this, I can do that." Sometimes we have a tendency to underplay our own ability. Agreed. Mm. Um, Cheryl Sandberg, right. um, Facebook CFO. Mm. Or COO. Right. Well, oh, Cheryl from Facebook. Let's call her Cheryl from Facebook. Right, she right. wrote the book Lean In. Okay. And it was this massive thing. And that's one of the things that she talks about in the book. And she says the reason that women don't get as far as men mm. is because we tend generally uh, to downplay our right. accomplishments. Right. While a man will walk into a room and be like, yes, the same exact same thing you've that's said. That's exactly what 50 Cent said. That is it. Well, do you think he copied Cheryl? Um, I don't know. Probably. Or, but um, even as much as it's a woman thing, and maybe it's more in women, it's it's definitely, I'll definitely say it's, it's an African thing. Mm. Because you're always told pride comes before a fall. You know, yeah. always be humble. Why are you talking about your this and that so much? Then now we go to 48 laws of power. Yo, let me tell you. Ah, well, that's a whole other conversation. Yes. And what are the laws of power? Mm. Yo, I printed I printed out that chart. Uh-huh. I have like, a, it's in chart form, all, right. all the laws. Uh. And it's in my office. Mm. Because literally every, day you see those things at play mm. and one of them is create a spectacle create a spectacle always create a spectacle and boom that's exactly what he's saying mm. and, 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 and it's interesting because for me I've always been that person who wants my work to speak I've always been that kind of person like mm-hmm. you know I might privately think that I'm the greatest at whatever I do <laughs> but I've never been that person on the other occasion I will boast I'm natural but like you know I've always been that kind of person I want you to feel my greatness but then even this week, there was a last week. There was a situation where um, all over the, the social media of, 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 of a media house in um, in Kenya, mm. there were pictures of um, presenters. Oh, we're now all working from home, and you know this is amazing, and this and that, and uh, it was a thing, and it was articles, and, and I was like, Hold I've on a minute. been doing this. I've been doing this for five years. Yes, and nobody has ever been like. Yo, that's out of the box. I was doing this for five, six years. Yes. But I've never spoken about it. To me, it was just me wanting to invest in what I do. So this is your fault. This is my for fault. For not having like, 
for yeah. giving us an Instagram uh, what do you call it uh, walk through the house yeah. show you my home studio but yeah yeah you know and this is this is this is me I don't do interviews this is like the longest I've spoken about anything yeah. in forever <laughs> I don't do interviews so maybe I need to start doing interviews yes. and telling people about how amazing It's it's a fine balance because mm. at the same time again you do want your work to speak for itself. Mm. You don't want to be the guy who is all bark and no bite. Right. But at the same time you also need to know this is what I can bring to the table and a lot of us don't know how to sell ourselves. Mm. It's really as simple as that. And this I think this is why social media is what it is right now. Right. Because it's an avenue to sell yourself. Right. So those who can do it well do it well. Right. And those of us who struggle, man, we struggle. Struggle hard as well, man. Yeah, so. For real. Oh, that's fantastic. So that is what Nai- this Nairobian is reading. So to recap, mm. uh, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race by Renny Odo Lodge. Uh-huh. Um Hustle Harder by 50 Cent. Hustle Harder Hustle Smarter. Don't go. Uh-huh. Hustle Harder Hustle Smarter. I mean, he's a he has money. So yes. There's a reason he has some semblance there's of advice. There's something, yeah, yeah. Something. yeah. And then there is what was the first one you talked about? So there Akala. was Akala's book, Natives. Yes, yes, Natives. Yeah, I think that's a pretty impressive list because mm. that's what I wanted to do at the end of the the podcast. I'm going to create a montage uh, like a, of yeah. a, like a playlist, right. of what people are reading. So Definitely. at the end of the season, these are the recommendations. Can I can I throw in another honorary mention? Sure. Um, digital min, Digital Minimalism by Cab was it Cal Holloway? Okay. It's talk, and that basically talks about how we how we need to detox our lives from everything digital. Um, trip down to the basic and understand that you know there are certain neurological patterns that these um technology giants are using to have us so addicted to our phones and our iPads and it's really a good read as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I will look I'm going to look up all the books that you've talked about. So before I go, I want to cuz I find your bookshelf fascinating. Okay. So when I want to talk about some of the books on your shelf. Wow. Uh, books that you've had over the years. I actually took a photo once of everything. Let me see if I still have that. Some photo. of them I haven't read, I must confess. And, and and I looked at let's see you've got Jay-Z's Decoded I've read that you've read it's that it's got a lot of pictures yeah it's, yeah. Easy, yeah. it's like a it's a it's a pictorial book uh, yeah it's, it's a little bit right mostly pictures okay then there is let me see if I've got the picture there's a, the Levi Roots is that what it's called that's the reggae cookbook. cookbook that's a that was actually a gift um from nice. Claudia remember oh, Claudia from Tinga yes. Tinga Tinga Tales oh. uh, Claudia gave me that book um Have you ever it's, cooked it's, from it? Yes, actually, you know the funny thing about that book is I'm Caribbean, as you know. Yes, but sometimes I forget the basis of some recipes. Oh man! And I actually do go back to that book and have a look. And he's he's got a very bland interpretation of Caribbean food. Okay, but you can get the pointers. So every now and again, like if I wanted to cook escovitch fish, wow. you know, I, I need to just remember what I need and the ingredients and stuff. I'm trying to actually find the picture and I cannot. Mm. Uh, what There's a book there called um, I. I spoke to the devil or something like that. You know what? Why don't we just get the book? Why don't you just yeah. walk over there? Instead of being walk over there and shout out a few titles. Okay. And then I will just actually There is Shake Hands with the Devil. Shake Hands with the Devil. Now that's an amazing book. By Lieutenant General Romeo Dallaire. All right. So he was the um in charge of the the Belgian forces I think it was yeah. in Rwanda at the time of the genocide. I'm be- Yes, so basically now, because you know the story with the genocide is that everyone says that somebody else should have done more, but he was actually on the ground and he was, he he explains how he was understaffed, didn't have enough, um, and then the incompetence of the various agencies, really quite insightful, man. Okay. Mm. Uh, David and Goliath, Malcolm Gladwell. All right, that was a gift. I've only got halfway through that, but that pretty much is like another 
you know, way of overcoming the odds in life about, you know, certain strategies that you employ to get ahead. And finally, the last villains of Molo. <laughs> the last villains of um, Molo. Well, actually, the, um, the author is a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and I actually went... Now, this is a great story, by the way. I'm glad you mentioned that. I actually went to him mm-hmm. for advice of how to begin writing because I've always wanted to write a book. Really? Yes. So I went to him for advice and let me tell you, this guy took me to his office. He, he was working at a very big bank here in um in the 254. Bought me lunch first of all, asked me why do you want to write a book and all that stuff. And then he took me up into a boardroom up into the top of the, in the, in, in the comp and he had like a whiteboard and like those, those charts that you flap over those paper. Yes. And then he began to tell me, you know, how you, um, structure your writing arcs and your character arcs and he, he explained to me that you know the, the the biggest challenge that anybody faces when it comes to writing a book is that we think we've got to write it all at one sitting mm. and how he's got the discipline of writing a thousand words a day um, when he's writing he just has this little corner of his house where the kids and the wife know when daddy's there Please. leave him alone he's yes. writing and that's how he's been able to churn out so many books mm. um, over the years um, that book there it's a mixture of Swahili and English, so it was a bit of a, of a hard game. Struggle, but it's it's actually very well written, man. And mm. I respect anybody who takes time out to share their knowledge. Mm. He, I didn't know him. Mm. You know me, I'm the guy who goes on Twitter and looks for people. I just hit him up and said, "You know what? I want to write a book." And he hit me up with his number, and um, yeah, that was it. He's now based, I think, in Singapore. Wow. Yeah. He, okay. He's actually a great person for you to talk to. Amazing guy. Season two, guys. There you go. Season two. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, um, one, welcoming me into the, you know, the room where dreams are made of. Uh-huh. And uh, having this conversation, this been, it's been really fun. It's been a great conversation. I, didn't, yes. I, I don't know where an hour has gone. It's, all, it's an hour? <laughs> it's almost an hour. I need to get perfect. this down to 45 minutes. You'll be fine. This is G Money. Uh, I'm super excited to be right here. You are listening to the podcast Nairobi's Book Love with Ka- with Koi Kubala. Oh my God, I don't understand. How are we friends and you can't pronounce my name? I've struggled oh, a bit. Oh Jesus! You know what? It's hopeless. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's I think. I take it. It's fine.